Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Tuesday, April 19th. Thanks for tuning in today. Back-to-back days with the podcast here. Just had a lot to get to, lots of news and notes. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for uh, sponsoring this segment of the podcast. Well, folks, we knew this was going to happen because South Carolina, uh, football-wise, had a lot of guys on scholarship, a lot of guys on the roster. Uh, So you knew that after spring ball, there were going to be some departures. Now, the unfortunate thing about this is if it's going to, you know, get up into the double digits, there's going to be people that write articles about, oh, South Carolina lost 10 players out of the portal, but you got to sort of look at it. Now, there are some guys that announced they were leaving yesterday who I like as players and who I didn't like seeing go, just to be honest, but uh, they weren't really guys they were counting on, you know, this year. Uh, and we'll go through them. Um, and then there's some guys that have left that, uh, you know, come as no surprise. Uh, first thing, you know, Jakeem Green, uh, Keem Green did not play last year after coming in from Nebraska. Uh, really surprised that he never got better um, out of JUCO. Uh, he was a guy that South Carolina was going to get out of JUCO and, and he ended up going to Nebraska because of grades, and he just never never materialized and then did not last year either. Uh, so he's out. Devontae Davis, who never was healthy after coming in from JUCO, uh, he's out, another D-tackle. And then William Rogers, who was recruited as an offensive lineman out of Lovejoy High School, that's now oh, – they got switched to the D-line, worked there for a year or two, he's out. So it's three defensive tackles. Now, here's what this says. Uh, I, I think Nick Barrett and T.J. Sanders, the two second-year guys, I thought they both had good spring games. Uh, Nick Barrett flashed in, in particular. Uh, and you have, you know, those guys have several more years. So if you're Davis and Green, where are you going to get snaps? Uh, because you have Pickens and Huntley and Hemingway and Sandage and Webb 
uh, all ahead of you, and then these two guys have passed you. Uh, so if you want to go play, it's in your best interest to go in, in all three of those cases. You know, plus Felix Hickson, he's there. Uh, DeAndre Martin is there, a defensive tackle. Uh, you know, you, you have – you had Jamal Weiss. He's not there anymore. So we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, not, a, not a total shock on that. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's not with the team right now. And I don't know if he was going to be an edge or – or a tackle or what heading in this year. Uh, and then uh, Demetrius Watson's coming in. Uh, and then you've got a lot of D tackles for 2023. It depends on who leaves and stuff after this season as to what that position will look like. Uh, but I think anytime you get passed by a couple of second year guys and you're older and then you've got that many older guys that are starting, you know, your chances of getting on the field become slim. And so that's uh that's the case there. EJ Jenkins, uh, somewhat of a surprise, not a shock, I guess. I was kind of wondering how the heck they were going to use him this year at Carolina. He hit the portal. Chances are, I think he reunites with Jason Brown at Virginia Tech. Uh, they were teammates in St. Francis. Both are from, I think, Fredericksburg, Virginia. So I think EJ will go home, and I think that'll be good for him. I, I don't know that he was used uh, in the right way last year. Uh, I thought that uh, the setback he suffered uh, in the preseason really threw him off. Uh, I think he was really coming on. People were excited about him. And then when he missed that time, he just never kind of made it back uh, at the receiver position. I don't think he's an outside receiver. Uh, I think he's a flex guy. Uh, And maybe Virginia Tech will use him. I I don't know what the plan was, you know, with – with this offense at South Carolina, you know, you've got Stogner and Bell and Amos and, and some of these versatile guys you got to kind of plug in, Juju McDowell, those guys, you know. So so where was EJ really going to fit? I don't know. Uh, probably the most disappointing one to me was Eric Shaw. Uh, kind of been a mystery man. Uh, like the fact that he caught a pass in the spring game, a little crossing route. Uh, he's still young enough to where I think he has some upside at receiver, but you know, it's his third year and couldn't put on the weight to play tight end. Uh, obviously, played some defense as a true freshman. Still very athletic, uh, but I think he's going to go somewhere. He can maybe see the field this season uh, from Realtown, Alabama. So I'm maybe one of the Alabama schools, UAB, South Alabama, uh, maybe South Florida to reunite with Bobby Bentley, uh, maybe Auburn. Someplace like that. I mean, that guy's got enough upside to where uh, I don't think it's out of the question that he ends up at Auburn. Um, and it just kind of depends on, you know, where he's going to play and, and, and all that position-wise. So, I, uh, you know, he left as well, and so he's out. Uh, I mentioned Jamal Weiss is not with the team right now. Rico Powers is also not with the team. That's no surprise. I'd, I'd be surprised if Rico was back. Um, and then Weish uh, probably would be surprised if he were back too. I, I don't know exactly what happened with those guys, uh, but Powers has sort of been on thin ice for a long time, um, which is a shame because I think I've said for many, like a few years now, Rico could be as good as he wanted to be. It's just a matter of want to. Um, so I don't know what their status is. I know Shane Beamer said they're just not with the team right now. Uh, with the numbers issue like it is, I, I would anticipate – them not 
you know, being back. And I, and I don't think they're done losing guys in the portal right now either. But, you know, it, it was going to happen. I think, I think you'd rather happen, have it happen now, right here at the end of spring, so guys can get out, get in the portal, uh, line up some new options, uh, rather than, you know, these guys lingering and, and whatever, and then it's a summer of, you know, number crunching and all that good stuff. Uh, but I think South Carolina will be fine. I, I don't know that any, any of these guys outside of depth, you know, and, and guys that were going to maybe play with massive amounts of injury, um, I don't know that they were going to play very much at all. You know, especially the older D tackles and Rodgers. You know, I just – the writing was sort of on the wall because you go, well, Barrett and Sanders are really coming on. Everybody likes them. It was obvious in the spring game. I mean, you got Huntley, you got Hemingway, you got Sandage, you got Webb. You know, wh- where were Devontae Davis and Jakeem Green going to fit in? Because they're not edge guys. They're, they're interior. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, I think South Carolina is going to be pretty good at D-tackle this year if they stay healthy and all that. But, um, you know, so there's that. Some guys have hit the portal and left. And uh, like I said, this was expected. There's nobody – that hit the portal that was, you know, one of the top, you know, 33 or so players, or at least not projected to be uh, this season. So we'll see sort of what happens uh, moving forward with additional departures. You know, uh, there's some guys out there I don't want to speculate because I'll be honest, you know, with Jenkins and Shaw, I I was told I thought it was kind of 50-50 with those guys would leave. There's other guys on the roster that I felt like, you know, maybe could – end up taking a hike (laughs) Uh, and we'll see what else happens, you know, with all that South Carolina is kind of within striking distance though. Now of that 85 Um, and the reason they're doing it, you know, I don't, I don't think the NCAA is going to give anybody any reprieve uh, on the 85 scholarship limit this year, even with the super seniors and the COVID red shirt and portal and all that. Uh, Most schools are under though uh, the 85 because they've gotten hit pretty hard with the portal and they have spots to give. So you know, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to do South Carolina any favors. You know, it's the NCAA, right? Um, so we'll see sort of what happens there. But you know, obviously, you hate to see people leave. You know, and and, and all that. But I, I would just tell you guys, like this was number one expected, but number two, don't buy the the Saturday down south of the world or whoever that that want to write. Oh, South Carolina's losing all these players. That's a that's a red flag. Uh, because it's not. This was totally expected. And uh, but but I guarantee you, you know, or I'll not make a guarantee. Maybe I'll have some faith. But someone somewhere will write something about that. And um, oh, they're losing players left and right. Well, it's, you know, they're you only get eighty five scholarships, man. So I mean, who, who else? You know, who, who'd they really lose? You know, and I don't, I don't want to call it dead weight. But, uh, you know, these guys, like I said, they weren't really scheduled to play a whole lot uh, this year. And I think with Jenkins and Shaw in particular, you'd almost have to kind of design something for them. And you've got – I mean, so, so what are you going to do? You take Jaheim Bell off the field? I mean, I don't know. You know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be in favor of that uh, at all. Um, basketball nugget, and this was kind of unexpected. One of our members – on the big spur, uh, put this up and, um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. 
Fede Federico, uh, who used to be committed to West Virginia. Uh, this is basketball recruiting, by the way. Uh, 6'11", post player out of uh, JUCO in North Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, maybe. Um, Northeast Oklahoma Junior College. Um, averaged 11.7 points and 8.6 rebounds a game last year. He's 6'11". Uh, we found out by looking at his Instagram story. Uh, it looked like, you know, he was liking Carolina. He's also visited Pitt. Uh, you know, this is a guy in the post. He's from South Sudan originally. I think uh, it looks like a quality pickup for a big. These guys don't grow on trees. and You know, junior college guy. You know, I think with the transfer portal these days, sometimes JUCOs get overlooked. But he was committed to Bobby Huggins in West Virginia. And um, now it looks like Carolina is a team that, uh, you know, is – Probably in the mix, you know, based on the feedback from the Instagram story. Got to got to get some more uh, info on this guy. Juwan Gary visited over the weekend. The Alabama transfer. He's going to visit Nebraska, which for some reason has been popular with South Carolina prospects. Uh, sort of all over the map with what he wants to do. From what I'm told, I, I don't feel confident about the Gamecocks getting him to come back home at this point. Maybe he will, but there's not a lot of signs there that point toward it. Um, Julian Phillips, who's a 2022 five-star kid that uh, is also from Columbia, uh, signed with LSU early period when a little way got fired. He backed off of that. Uh, my understanding, South Carolina's going to make a big run at him. Um, that's a five-star guy, six-eight guy that can shoot. Uh, we'll see. NIL, uh, name, image, likeness, is going to be critical. Uh, with Julian Phillips. So we'll see, you know, what uh, opportunities are there for him uh, on the NIL side of things at South Carolina. They're, my understanding is, you know, they're going to communicate all that with him, just like they did with Gigi Jackson. Uh, and it looks like the Tar Heels have circled back around and they're probably getting Gigi Jackson uh, as things stand today. It's been Duke at different times. It's been South Carolina. Uh, but it looks like Gigi is going to head towards Chapel Hill, where a lot of, unfortunately, the really, really good five-star players in the state. It doesn't happen every year, but uh, happens probably every five, six years. You'll have a guy from South Carolina go to the Tar Heels. Uh, sometimes those guys come home. Seventh Woods and Larry Davis came home. Uh, but uh, most of the time they, they stick up there and have pretty good careers. Bryce Johnson comes to mind. Raymond Felton, of course. Uh You know, and look, I don't buy the excuse that people give that South Carolina basketball's proximity to Tobacco Road is in some way a hindrance uh, because you're not – I think the bigger issue with the Gamecocks is is not losing players to North Carolina or Duke. Uh, I think it's, you know, situations like losing guys to Ole Miss and Alabama and Tennessee and Vanderbilt and uh, the SEC peers. You know, I, I think that's been more the issue because you add all those guys up and, and you're rocking and rolling. Uh, losing John ja Morant to Murray State obviously was bad. I don't think anybody knew about it at the time. <laughs> but that was bad because, you know, Frank tried to get him and couldn't. So that's uh, that's another thing uh, to kind of look at. But, uh, 
you know, if you're going to, if you're going to turn the in-state recruiting tide, you know, I, I think Julian Phillips would be a great place to start. Uh, I'm not, you know, not to me to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not super confident they'll get it done, but I think uh, the Gamecocks are at least going to try. And, you know, that's all you can do right now if you're Lamont Paris uh, and those guys, you know, so lots of roster spaces in basketball. We're going to be following it uh, here moving forward. Um, but wanted to fill you in on some of those names. And, you know, this kid from uh, South Sudan, uh, I think he, via Finland, uh, via junior college, I, I think this guy he looks like a pretty good player. Um, you know, double uh, 11, and, 11 and 8 as a 6'11 guy. You know, probably a lot like Wildens Levesque, uh, hopefully more consistent, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, Josh Gray is still there. So, you know, he can't transfer anymore. So you're starting to talk about, you know, Josh in the post, this guy in the post. You have to coach him up. Josh needs to be coached up. But uh, I still think he's got a lot of upside, you know, for Lamont Paris and, and his staff to sort of work with. So we'll see. Also been told they're they're targeting some point guards. There's a guy from Ohio State, Cunningham maybe. I forgot his name. But uh, a guy from Ohio State that should visit that was – he didn't play a whole lot for the Buckeyes, but um, seems to be one of the point guards. They're sort of uh, tracking on the basketball end of things. This is the Hoops Nugget there. Uh, Winthrop comes to town, Founders Park for baseball. Uh, and I actually, I'm sorry, I'll rephrase that. The Gamecocks are going to Rock Hill to play Winthrop uh, at 6 p.m. tomorrow night, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, then, you know, the – the Gamecocks avoided, I believe, Auburn, Bama, and AM last year on the other side. They got Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Maybe they played AM. I don't know. Uh, but those were kind of the lower level teams. <laughs> uh, well, guess what? Auburn's ranked in the top 20 this year. And so the Gamecocks go to Auburn this weekend. Uh, they play Bama at home. They got North Carolina AT, and they go out to AM. Uh, and then finish up with Kentucky and then at Florida. So there's an opportunity there. You got a midweek games will be Winthrop, North Carolina A&T, USC Upstate, and Charlotte. But, uh, you know, so you'd like to win those as well. But, you know, the Gamecocks are sitting there right now uh, coming off of, uh, you know, a good series win against Ole Miss. They're six and nine uh, in the SEC. Just by comparison, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt seven and eight, Florida six and nine as well. Pretty good teams there. Um, so they're within striking distance. I mean, you know, you, you'd like to have that opening game against Georgia back, probably. You'd like to have the blown lead against Missouri back. Uh, if you're looking at it, you know, I don't know what they're supposed to do about Tennessee, but <laughs> Tennessee's really good. But, you know, there's some of these games you'd like to have back right now. I think the game guys would be a little bit better situation. But, uh, you know, there's still a shot. You're still a shot, you know. Like I said, Auburn, uh, it would have been great to have played Auburn instead of Mississippi State last year, but they're, you know, they're in the top 20 this year and you got to go down there. Uh, you know, Bama, A&M, Kentucky, uh, and then Florida. Obviously, you know, they're not all tearing it up, so the schedule does get a little bit easier. And then they go to the House of Horrors in Hoover, Hoover Alabama, where Cocks don't always do well, right? <laughs> um, so that's baseball. And basketball and, and the update uh, on that. So, uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Got a lot of mailbag questions to get to today uh, as well. You know, I wanted to talk as we head into our analysis segment. First of all, I want to talk about Sydney Searfoss of Colwell Banker Kane Real Estate. She's married to a Dyer Gamecock fan, been in the upstate over 35 years. Would love to help you with your real estate needs. Contact Sydney, 864-414-5271 or C. Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbkane.com. Uh, email her. You know, text her, call her, Spartanburg, Greenville, Union, Cherokee, Greenwood, uh, name your Oconee, Pickens, you know, name your upstate county. Uh, she can help you. She's right there in my hometown of Spartanburg on Daniel Morgan Avenue. Again, Cindy Searfoss, Colwell Banker, Kane, 864-414-5271. Please tell her JC sent, it, sent you from the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So, Cindy sponsors the analysis, I'll call it the analysis segment, but I do a lot of analysis anyway. Uh, so two topics. I wanted to talk about uh, some things that have popped up in The Athletic. Now, I read The Athletic. Uh, recently got bought by The New York Times. A lot of good writing on The Athletic. I kind of keep up with you know college football at large. Guys like Andy Staples uh, really do a great job for them. Bruce Feldman, also basketball uh, pro sports, you know, I, I like the athletic. I'm not a an anti-athletic person. Uh, and congratulations on their acquisition by the New York Times because I, I think they're going to sing some more money into it, and that's more jobs uh, covering sports, and I'm all for that. Um, so there's an article about <clears throat> NIL and these collectives, and, and I'm, I'm telling you folks, uh, you know, I'm, I'm launching a collective. I'm going to get start playing ball in that game. Uh, it's 100% you know, for the University of South Carolina and, and to, to provide uh, opportunities through NIL for Carolina student athletes. I, I think with my platform, um, you know, that's a way of me giving back. I'm not taking a dime off of it. But I do think that there's been certain, I don't know, agendas being pushed by the athletic uh, on this topic. Uh, I, I think that if you, the worldview of some of these writers, and I'm not going to name names, but some of these writers, uh, is that, you know, college football in particular is, is you know, exploit, exploitive, exploitive? I don't know how you say that. College football exploits its players uh, because of the money coaches make and the money that TV brings in and all of that. And they want to blow the whole system up and unionize and, and have players make salaries and, and, and all this good stuff, uh, like employees. Um, and I think that's a certain political worldview that, that's sort of seeping in to the sport. And who knows what drives that agenda? I mean, is it is it, you know, just basic politics where you're pro-union and all that? Uh you know, is it is it that, you know, unions are more popular in the North and Midwest and obviously uh, in the South, they don't do unions and football, college football is very popular in the South. Um, is it just, you know, lawyers and people like that trying to get a piece of the pie for themselves? Uh, you know, what's driving this agenda? And I, I don't like it uh, because I, I don't. You know, I got to be careful here because I don't want it to sound like I don't think players should be making money because I do. That's uh, that's not the case here. I, I, I think that 
what you have to do as a media member is you have a responsibility for being realistic uh, unless you do have an agenda. And then you're going to take every anecdotal piece of scrap of information you can and try to paint a picture. So the whole thing collapses and, you know, you get your unions and, and whatever collective bargaining strikes, whatever you want to do, uh, which is stupid in my opinion. Uh, Cause there's a solution for that, 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 that you don't have to go that far and have a bunch of people in the middle, i.e. agents and union directors and, and people like that, you know, taking these kids' money. Because, you know, look, I live part of the time in a pro-union area. I, I think that unions in a lot of ways uh, are great for certain parts of the country. I, I, I see it around here, guys that have worked great union jobs for their entire careers, they're able to take care of their family, paid off their mortgage, they're retiring nicely. Uh, it is an absolutely 100% positive thing for many people in this country. I'm not anti-union at all. I also understand that, you know, in, in a lot of the big union states, you're taxed to death, your cost of living's through the roof. Everybody seems to get a cut. It's trickle down. Uh, whereas, you know, if, if you're if you have a union skill down south, you know, uh, there is no union to sit there and uh, do your apprenticeship and be guaranteed that wage and all that good stuff. But it's a hell of a lot easier to go form an LLC and go into business for yourself down south and make just as much or more money and not have to give it away to a union. It just depends on what you want out of life and, you know, what the best situation is in the place that you choose to live. That's just, this is kind of how it is. There, there's good things on both sides. I don't like public sector unions at all because they've become mostly political organizations. Uh, and unions have always had a, a political clout, right? But uh, they've just become like the, the teachers union in Chicago, for example, has become insane. Uh, it, people on both sides of the aisle will tell you that. Um, but, you know, Private, you know, private sector, uh, blue collar jobs. You, I mean, I'm all for it in certain parts of the country. You know, um, I can make a big, a good case uh, for it. Just seeing up close the lives that are impacted by that. So I'm not anti-union, but you talk about unionizing college football. I mean, that's going to cause a bunch of issues, and I don't think the players are going to benefit from it. Uh, I honestly don't. I think there's more common sense solutions that you can take. Now, what the people with the agenda on NIL don't understand while they're sitting there writing stories, you know, quoting agents as saying, oh, it's two million for a five star quarterback and a million for a D tackle and this, that and the other. I mean, no, <laughs> that's not market value. Who's determining that market value? Recruiting analysts. They They shouldn't have that much power. They put. Rankings on the internet for fans. You know, they're not scouts. I was in that business. I did pretty good. There are other people in the business that I think are pretty good. that that, that can determine uh, within about 60% accuracy how good a kid will be long-term. And that's pretty solid. But I don't think they should be setting market value monetarily. That's a completely different story, Right. And even the guys that have been paid under the table through the years, 
the, 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 the 2 million number, that's never, never heard of that happening ever. You know, maybe a guy that uh, goes to college and plays high level and is invaluable to the team and, you know, Heisman candidate and, you know, they'd be screwed without him or whatever. Yeah. Maybe he collects that over time, but it's never, it's never a guarantee walking in the door. You know, you're, you're not talking about, you know, you're not talking about that kind of money because it's not worth it. Because when you look at the five-star quote unquote five stars in college football, they don't always pan out, you know, they're not always worth, you know, it's a lot different, you know, same with the NFL draft. They don't always pan out, but you know, you're dealing with a much larger pool of players. When you're talking about college, you're dealing with much more of an inexact science. And quite frankly, when you are in college football, when you go from high school to college, you have to work and develop. There's very few people, you know, that can step right in and, and, and kill it. And you guys know that, you know, you guys know that. I mean, I think unfortunately there's this uh, notion that if, if you don't come in and light it up your first year as a five-star, you're a bust. And that's not true. That's just factually inaccurate. Uh, but, you know, there's very few guys that are just able to walk off the bus or, or, you know, get dropped off at college and go do that. So you have to work. So if I'm a high school guy and I've played football my whole life, and I've got seven figures in the bank guaranteed. Uh, I think at some point fairly, you know, and this is fair. Uh, why would I put my body through major college football and, why would I care about getting the NFL or, or maximizing my potential? I would put my body through that. It's football's hard on the body. I think you're going to see some guys make those decisions, right? And so, uh, you know, it, it, these numbers are unrealistic, right? The, these numbers are out of control. Uh, they were, they, they interview the same couple of guys every time they write a story, they're trying to force an agenda to where the market looks like it's just crazy sticker shock and all that. I don't see any evidence on my end in dealing with this stuff, you know, not reading about it in the athletic, not dealing with an agent or anything. I don't see any type of, of, you know, proof that we're going to be sitting here talking about salaries for five stars guaranteed uh, NIL deals. Uh, in the near future across the board. Now they're going to be some and we'll see how those guys pan out. But uh, I just don't, you know, I, I, I'm just not in favor of it because I, th- I think when you, when you twist reality like that to push an agenda, you're missing the forest through the trees, so to speak. And you're kind of looking at, you know, pushing your agenda rather than what's good for everyone involved with the sport. I also think a lot of these people, what they don't understand is the value of the colleg- collegiate brand. And that's where the big value is. I mean, there, there, there are generations of people that have been fans of these programs, South Carolina included, Alabama, Notre Dame, LSU, uh, you know, name your big fan base. And it hasn't mattered who the players have been over the years. It's much more about the name on the front of the jersey than the back. You know, so realistically – if you wanted to take the top, 
high school talent and send it directly to an NFL minor league, college football is still going to be churning out the cash. You're still going to fill up the stadium, you know, and, and I'm telling you, there's enough players to do it. You know, maybe Jadevi and Clowney and Trevor Lawrence and, you know, the handful of guys ends up going to the, the minors and uh, they're just a little too good for college ball, but, you know, there's good quarterbacks and good defensive ends out there, you know, and you're not going to miss a beat on the field, you know, because those guys are going to develop. And then in time, you know, half those guys that just go straight to the pros aren't going to be the guys that actually play on Sundays because you're going to have another bunch of college players that develop in college uh, that are going to pass them, you know. So we're basing a lot of this stuff on baseline potential uh, an opinion uh, from folks that, you know, and, and I'm not self-criticizing uh, myself here, but they're paid to put info about players on the internet for fans to enjoy. It's a lot of entertainment, really. Um, you know, and so I, is that going to drive that much value? I mean, and then, you know, you start getting into situations where, hey, you know, what happens when, you know, somebody's desperate for a ranking and their lawyer or, or, or you know, agent or whatever uh, juices the rankings? Now, I would hope nobody in my industry would do that, but I also know how much some of these people make. You know, I would hope somebody would get fired for doing that, but I also know what the salaries are like, you know, and a lot of these guys have families and stuff. So, you know, uh, that opens it up and that just creates a big false bubble, to be honest. And you're going to have schools that pay 20 million for a recruiting class that uh, these guys can't play dead in a movie. Some of them because they just weren't that good to begin with. Some of them because they won't work. Some of them for normal things like injuries. Some of them just straight up don't want any. You know, there's a there's a chunk of guys that that always, no matter how highly or lowly they're rated, that go from high school to college or college to the pros just straight up don't want any. The collisions get bad. I mean, you know, it's just like ah, I'm not doing this anymore. And see, so football is, is really a sport that you know it, it, you can't tell. You never know. So you're going to attach this much monetary value to it before they even step on campus. Now, you know, there's, there's some people out there that would probably say, well, you're just being anti-player and you're, you're this, that, and the other, and, you know, that people, some people will take it even further and I'm not going to go there. Uh, and I want to let you know right now, I have no problems with guys cashing in on NIL uh, especially once they get to school, I have no problems with a recruit that gets to school. That's a that's a hot shot recruit. That you know, hey, all right, you you, you probably do have market value right now, and, and it's contingent on you know, kind of like a step ladder. You know, here you get this much now, and this much here, and this much there as your career goes on. Uh, I think that at Carolina, uh, so far. And I know fans that, that see things through a certain prism are concerned about some of the dollar amounts they hear thrown around. I think Carolina's NIL program has been as successful as anything. Uh, you have guys out there like Marshawn Lloyd, like Luke Doty, like uh, DeGarian Joyner, 
like Spencer Rattler, um, Devonnie Reed. They have their own clothing line. You know, Carolina fans buy that stuff up. Uh, you know, I, I think that's not only good for putting money in their pocket, but I think it's also great for, uh, you know, colleges beyond playing football or whatever. College is about learning life skills, and you get that kind of opportunity to go be an entrepreneur with a, a sort of fixed customer base, you know, and, and you're learning and making money. That's, I mean, that's shoot. I think I think learning how to do business is probably a better skill that you learn in college than some of these classes they take these days. Some of the classes I took, just to be honest with you. I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't have any use for marine biology. I wanted to go learn about dolphins and I never did. Got to tie that one with a D, man. <laughs> you know, I, I used that none. I used geology of North America that was taught by a guy that went to Harvard that thought his class was the most important thing in the world at USC Upstate. And there was a field trip and I'm like, you know, I'm like ready to get out of college. This is my last semester. I don't have time to go on a freaking field trip. And, you know, I, I was thinking, hey, we learned about rocks. And no, 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 no. It's completely different. I know I don't use that. Made a C. <laughs> you know, some of my writing courses I use, editing courses. I think my theater classes are very helpful with what I do, especially when you talk about the, the spoken word and, you know, me talking with you guys every day. But I think that uh, the business, from the business standpoint, that these guys are, I mean, these guys are learning, learning as well as preparing them for life. Uh, and as much as the college experience gets bashed by these people with an agenda, I think that's the best of both worlds because you can make as much money as you want selling your stuff and run your own business and get that experience. Uh, why not? And Carolina's been kind of at the forefront of all. You know, the guys on the, on the football team really are crafty and, and creative with what they do. Now, do, do I think that for South Carolina to remain competitive in NIL, we need more? We need a more robust deal? Yeah. That's why I'm starting what I'm starting. And it's not just me. When I'm starting, I, I encourage everybody to donate as much as you can. $5 a month, $500 a month. As much as you can spare, you know, these collectives, not just mine, need money to go out and uh, and make things happen. And, you know, not necessarily go and, and get involved with the recruiting process because you can't do that. But go out and, you know, make sure that it's in place for players, you know. And, and, and so I'm not being hypocritical by this. I just – I think the agenda is asinine. Uh, you know, if you want – to advocate for players to be employees and to get, you know, to be unionized. Just say that. Just say that. Good luck doing that in certain states. But just say it. You know, don't sit there and go, ooh-wee, $8 million. This is going to be market value. I'm sorry. Uh, you don't set the market. The athletic does not set the market. You know, one lawyer agent does not set the market. You know, unfortunately, recruiting rankings do. And I don't think that's that's good either. But, you know, I'm just not in favor of a political agenda, you know, influencing this sport at all. I, I think that there's a way to get to fairness uh, without it.
And the other thing, you know, I mentioned the value of the college brands. These college brands have been established for more than a century, right? Players have always come and gone, you know, and, and even in, you know, South Carolina, you know, you, you haven't had as many great players as maybe some other schools. Well, everybody's still loyal and passionate. Same with Ole Miss, same Mississippi State, you know, you name Arkansas, you name the school. You know, and that and, and so how valuable is that branding and, and that platform? You know, for example, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler sells gear. I bought some. Everybody know has bought some, right? <laughs> My girlfriend wears it around, right? It's cool. I like it. Bought some from Marshawn Lloyd too, his Uno brand. I encourage everybody to do that. Well, how much does being a University of South Carolina football player facilitate that? You know, so see, even with NIL, which, you know, they're getting 100% of that. They don't – in South in South Carolina, you don't have to kick any back to the university. Um, you know, that's a sweet, sweet deal, right, in any business. You know, you're using like, – like, for example, the BigSpur.com is on the 24-7 sports CBS platform. Um, we don't handle any of the technical stuff, billing. It all goes through CBS. It's a great deal because it's a – it's, it's a load off. Well, we don't keep 100% of our revenue. We split it. And so, you know, with NIL, uh, at least in the state of South Carolina, in most states, I think Georgia may do something a little different. You know, the university doesn't have to take any of it. You know, so you're using, you know, being a South Carolina football player to generate money for yourself and you get to keep all of it. That's a sweet deal, guys. That's a sweet deal. And and, and now you have people out there that, you know, well, they need to be employees and you get 48% of this revenue, 50% of the, you know, whatever. No. No. The NFL players have a bigger gripe, just to be frank, <laughs> you know. But in college, you know, these brands, I mean, in the NFL, if you never have good players, you know, and no matter how much they try to do the parody thing, because even, I mean, like the Buffalo Bills are good now. Why? Well, Josh Allen's pretty good quarterback. Why are the Bengals in the Super Bowl? Joe Burrow, you know, that kind of thing. And it goes up and down, unlike a, you know, a franchise like the Jaguars, which, you know, which has had its moments every now and then, but perpetually sucks and, you know, they don't have much attendance and all that, right? It is in the pro ball, it's more about definitely the players. You know, NFL players, you know, whatever, they can get what they want, you know. College is not like that. You know, you take the top 500 players, send them to an NFL minor league, you know, that's, you know, you're probably taking three or four guys per roster from Power Five and, you know, maybe some others. Well, if you're doing if you're if you're doing it by recruiting rankings, you're definitely doing it from Power Five. Well, as we've all seen by looking at the draft and watching players from the portal come up from lower levels and all that kind of stuff, that's not always your top 500 players two years down the road. You know, because people it evolves, the sport evolves, the players evolve. They get better, they get worse, they get left behind, they move forward. You know, college football is still gonna have its share of studs. And the minor league for the NFL is going to have its share of duds, <laughs> you know, and the brands remain strong. You know, people, 
Yeah, you, you don't think people are still going to show up to watch Ohio State football? You know, if uh, three of their five stars maybe go to the minor leagues? No. Has it impacted? I mean, you know, did, did, did uh, where was Kobe going? I don't remember. Um, ah, Kevin Garnett, people say he was going to go to South Carolina. Maybe he's going there's a lot of talk about Michigan. Okay. So let, let's just assume. And I know, you know, I believe Garnett was coming to South Carolina, right, before he uh, just went straight to the pros. Um, but let's say he was going to go to Michigan. Did Michigan basketball fall apart because he didn't make it? I mean, uh, did LeBron James, you know, not going to Ohio State impact their program? Hell no, it didn't. They went to two straight uh, national championship games. Right against Florida with Connolly and Odin, and, and you know, Odin hurt. Odin was hurt, but and, and even then, that's basketball. And I've talked many times. Basketball players, like if everybody's sitting around talking about, okay, the going rate for a lottery pick or a five-star top ten basketball player is two million a year. I'm fine. I, it wouldn't surprise me because one individual like that can have so much impact, and you know he's good. And you know he's going to be dang good when he plays because it's an easier sport to evaluate. Uh, usually the top guys are the top picks in the draft. Uh, it's pretty, you know, pretty much cut and dry in that sport. Plus, NBA players make a whole lot more than NFL players. There's less spots. So basketball, I don't, you know, if they were talking about, oh, this five-star basketball player needs this, no, no, but it's creeping into football. That, that's what gets that, – it's unrealistic. You know, so I don't know. I, I don't like the agenda. I just don't. Um, like I said, I'm going to get into NIL. And heck, yeah. let's all together go raise money and help Carolina. Uh, I'm all for it. I'm not going to browbeat anybody for not kidding. Uh, you know, and, and look, I may be dead wrong. We may look at Texas A&M here in a couple of years and say, nobody's beating those guys because they're just too dang good. They're now the new Alabama. A lot goes into Alabama other than just recruiting five-star guys, by the way. Um, but, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know. And and if I'm wrong, you know, heck, it, then it's scary times at South Carolina because, you know, there's not as many people willing to just fork over money. You know, I think there's enough. I believe in the power of Gamecock Nation, and uh, I believe in the power of the small donations from Gamecock Nation. I, I think you can – there's more than one way to skin a cat. You don't have to have four guys with oil wells. You can have 4,000 loyal fans giving X, and you can get it done. But, you know, th this agenda that's being pushed by the athletic, to me, is just uh, – it's about something else. Altogether, it's a political agenda, and I don't think that's good for the sport. Uh, although college football is political, uh, you know. So anyway, that's my point on that. Another thing from the athletic: Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator uh, at Carolina, uh, they did a big interview about Beamer and the portal. And they interviewed Sat. He was like, "We want to go with three tight ends on the field on first and second down as much as we possibly can." And he was talking about Austin Stogner coming in. And I, I kind of. 
backed up a little bit. In my opinion is this is a red herring. Uh, I think he's the type of guy that loves to throw stuff like that out. And then maybe he thinks he's trying to trick the opposing D coordinator or whatever. Maybe, and maybe he does. I mean, but uh, you know, I, 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 I have a lot of questions about that comment. Um, number one is, you know, I guess, I guess if Jaheim Bell is one and Stogner's one and, you know, then you got a, a attached guy for blocking, you could probably make some things happen out of that formation. You know, number two, you know, are you taking Juju? I mean, you know, because what you're doing is when you have that many tight ends on the field, quote unquote, uh, you're, you're taking a guy like Juice Wells off the field. You're, you're taking a guy like Amarion Brown off the field. Taking a Josh Van off the field, taking Ju- you know, some of the backs, Juju McDowell, you're taking him off the field. Rashad Amos, um, who's playing kind of a different position. Uh, so is that really, you know, to look like the Los Angeles Rams, is that really you're going to put some of your best players on the bench? I don't know about that. Now I'm hoping I'm hoping that's just kind of a, a thing he threw out there, right? Uh, and I know some of you are also concerned about the, the, the quote Spencer Rattler had where it's a controlled passing game and you're worried it's just going to be dink and dunk like they saw in the spring game. And I hope that's not the case either. Uh, I want to be clear. That's not the answer for this football team. If that's the plan, I'm just not thinking it is. It's a spring game and it's an offhand comment, uh, to the athletic about using three tight ends. Now, uh, and you call three tight ends 13 personnel, right? One back, three tight ends, 13 personnel. Uh, do I think it's a bad idea to have uh, formations, plays, and packages out of 13 personnel? No, I don't. Not at all. I think that's 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 cool. It's fine. Do I think you need to be in, in it 80% of the time on first and second down? Well, uh, if you're the 95 Nebraska Cornhuskers and you can just run for seven, eight yards at a clip, great, do it. Don't know, I mean, you know, don't know how you're supposed to recruit receivers and running, I mean, uh, quarterbacks, you know, like to throw it. Uh, don't know why you'd waste Spencer arm, Rattler's arm like that, you know, and, and finally you got speed at receivers. So. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I think it's probably much ado about nothing. I did find the comment interesting. Uh, I said, look, I'm going to get Marcus Satterfield, uh, you know, this season. I, you know, it's just, you know, between that, the control passing game comment, you know, what you guys saw in the spring game, which was dink and dunk heavy. Uh, and then, you know, the broadcasters talked about, they kept mentioning the Rams offense. I, you know, look, you know, trends in pro ball and college ball kind of overlap at times. I, I just, you know, uh, the RPO game, uh, of course, is very important um, in the pros and in college. I, I just don't know, you know, that, that you, you sit there at South Carolina and, and go, oh, we're just going to be the Rams. Okay, well, do you have Rams personnel? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you know, and in the NFL too, keep in mind you're playing defenses every week. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even going to go into it. I've explained last year over and over there's differences between the two games in the pros and in college. 
And if you're going to do something that's conceptually like the NFL, I have no problem with that. Alabama, uh, that offense looks like wide open, futuristic college ball, right? It's not. It's, it's a bunch of RPOs and things from the NFL that Sark and uh, now Bill O'Brien run. Uh, obviously, Georgia's a pro-style offense and won the national championship. They're a little bit more traditional. Uh, there are a lot of pro concepts that work. I mean, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has a college air raid offense and he's coaching in the pros. So it's uh, it's not out of the question that, that it works. And I, I mean, but but you have to yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you have to make sure that if you do this, it is a college version of it. And I don't know that that happened last year. I'm hopeful that it did this year. The quarterbacks and the offensive line, honestly, in the spring game seemed less confused. Uh, now, they didn't seem confused in the spring game last year, but all they really did was run the ball. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, that, the talk about the Rams, uh, the control passing game, I, you know, I know that those are throwing up red flags with some of you, and and I have not gone on. I've not, you know, ignored that. I, I'm just refusing to believe right now that those aren't red herrings, and that you know South Carolina is just going to be throwing a bunch of short passes and, and and trying to slam the backs into the back of the offensive lineman again, and you know all that. I I would hope that you know there's some elements of of chucking it down the field and backing the defense off, and that opens the run. And, you know, NFL offenses do that too. Right. So we'll see what happens there. All right. That brings us to the mailbag. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for those of you that responded from yesterday. We didn't have a lot of mailbag questions yesterday, uh, but we do today from the iHealth Consulting mailbag. It says, uh, and by the way, iHealth Consulting, Daniel, he says, if you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's me. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So whether you may be paying too much for credit card processing, internet insurance, or anything else, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. And remember, if iHelp can't save your business any money, you don't pay them a thing. That's right. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel. Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? Now, Daniel, you know, he saved the company 30 grand, 40 grand uh, annually uh, a few weeks back. Uh, there are a lot of success stories about that. Uh, I want to tell you how he gets paid. He's not going to save you 40 and charge you 45. Uh, he just takes a percentage of the first year savings. And so you're never going to lose money on the deal, right? So if he can't save you any money, you don't pay it. And then you're only going to pay him a percentage of what you do save. Uh, so if you're a business owner, very little risk. 843-372-5713. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? And they sponsor the mailbag and have for a while. We certainly appreciate it. So there's two ways to get in the mailbag. I uh, did want to say that uh, you need to follow the Twitter account at the Big Spur Pod. And that's the first way you can get in. Uh, you can tweet to me at the Big Spur Pod. Also, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Inside the Gamecocks. Uh, that's a new Facebook page. We put stuff up on it. 
Uh, and then Instagram at Inside the Game Cox got some some things from you guys uh, that we're going to put up fan shots probably during the season. Going to you know start even those of you that are baseball or whatever. I uh, you know you want to take some shots in the field or something. Send them in. I'd love to have some submitted photos, not only for the Instagram page but the Facebook page as well. Uh, and I, in fact, we got one. So my daughter took a picture with Cocky. Uh, I read that email yesterday. I'm going to put that up today on uh, the TBS. Oh, I'm sorry, the Inside the Gamecocks, uh, Facebook and Instagram. So we'll see that. So first things come in from Twitter uh, today. We do get some Twitter questions. Gamecock fan three. He's a loyal tweeter to us. Uh, well, JC, what would you consider a good year for Juju? He looked as good as anyone in the spring game and played significant mo- moments last season. I'm not sure he's a number three back. What do you think? Uh, I'll say this. I, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't care about his depth chart, like that he's technically behind Bill Smith and Lloyd. Uh, he's going to get on the field. There needs to be, you know, and, and look, when he, when he wasn't on the field last year, I mean, there were some moments where Satterfield had to apologize for it early. Uh, I know he was banged up. You know, how they used him in the um, bowl game is perfect. Hit him up on the outside, uh, throw him little passes, let him return kicks. Uh, every now and then, you can you can give it to him between the tackles. I mean, he scored on a – I actually like the uh, Wildcat play with him better than I did at any point last year when they ran the, ran the actual Wildcat with Joyner. Uh, so, I like him you know, in that role. And I, and I think he's a guy that can make a lot of things happen, um, you know, as a six to 12 carry a game back, um, you know, and, and look, could he do more than that? Absolutely. I, I don't, you know, he's not a fragile guy. He's not a very big guy, but he's not a fragile back. And, and you know, he, he, when he gets the ball, he makes some things happen. Uh, they need to get him the ball a lot. Uh, and it's crazy because there's a lot of guys that you're starting to look at that go, oh, they, they need the ball a lot. You know, Jaheim Bell, Juice Wells, Josh Van, Austin Stogner, Juju McDowell. I mean, this is, this is a good deal. This is the, There's more options out there uh, for the Gamecocks offensively, guys that can take it to the house, guys that are big plays waiting to happen. Uh, then there has been, and, and that's a positive thing, but, you know, you, you, you sort of have to – you know, see what the offensive coordinator does with it, and hopefully he does. You know, hopefully he understands that, you know, hey, you got all these guys, let's roll. Yeah, let's roll. Uh, Pony Boy responded to that and said, exciting to see him play a lot, regardless of where he is on the depth chart. I agree with that. Uh, Bullheaded tweets to me. He says, Jay, uh, at the Big Spur Pond. The spring game has me excited. Looks like we finally have decent depth at key positions. That being said, who do you think has the best chance to go three and done to the NFL draft? Anthony Rose or Braden Davis? Davis, to me, is the statue demeanor of an NFL guy. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited about Braden Davis, uh, you know, based uh, – but I've always been. You know, some people – you know, it, it's hard with this fan base – a portion of this fan base sometimes with quarterbacks because I think they expect perfection. And I, uh, man, the Panthers are pulling out of the Rock Hill thing. Part of that crap's already built. Wow. Anyway, that sucks. 
Um, for Rock Hill, those of you that are there, and you Panthers fans, not a Panthers fan. Um, you know, Braden, it was always about upside, but then you also talk to people that were familiar with like his mental approach to the game and the way he gets in the playbook and all that good stuff. I, I, you know, I, I never worried that he was in a high school football game and threw some incompletions. I just didn't. Just like I didn't worry about Luke Doty uh, being in a uh, in there as a true freshman starter in a spring game last year, throwing some incompletions. Uh, quarterbacks aren't robots. You know, they're going to throw some errant balls every now and then. The idea is just not to be completely off, you know, and go to pieces. Uh, and, you know, Braden Davis, I think, in the, in the spring game showed that, you know, when he's out there, you know, he, he can be calm. He can read the defense. He can uh, can make things happen. Plus, 6'6", 200. <laughs> That's a good size. And NFL bloodlines. So, you know, will he be three and done? I don't know. You know, because, I, you know, I think in two years – we're probably going to be talking about him a little more because um, I do think he needs some time to develop. But I, I think right now, so far, so good. As far as Anthony Rose go, goes and your question, who can be three and done in the draft, I think it's Rose. Because I, I think Rose is, uh, just like Braden Davis, is kind of a, a rare athletic freak. Rose is too. You know, he played some corner, uh, you know, played some nickel. I, you know, I, I think he'll play and be on the field as a freshman. He's got a lot that you can't teach. Uh, and as Torrey and Gray, Clayton White teach him, the sky's the limit. And, and I think there's probably a clearer path to get on the field quicker um, than, um, than a quarterback. But a lot depends on what happens with Luke Doty as well. You know, Luke Doty, you know, what happens if, if Tanner Bailey beats – Davis and Doty out next year, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Gives me a headache to think about. So we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, you know, but I, but I think, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with Davis as far as uh, his potential, you know, and, and Rose as well. I would just go ahead and probably say Rose just because, you know, I think there's a clear path for him. And so that's, uh, that's the deal there. Thank you, uh, Twitter users. Again, follow us on Twitter at the Big Spur Pod, uh, Facebook at Inside the Gamecocks, Instagram at Inside the Gamecocks. Isaiah says, JC, JC, hope you're doing well. So this is the second way to get into this. You can uh, email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And Isaiah says, hey, JC, hope you're doing well. I just wanted to know if you could shed some light on Jamal Weish and Rico Powers and the recent transfers. Uh, well, the recent transfers, as I mentioned earlier, all it's all about playing time. Rico Powers, like I said, he, he hasn't been doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, with Weish, I don't know what exactly happened. I mean, he he's a guy that uh, enrolled early, kind of a, I'll say, a unique person to deal with uh, in, in recruiting as far as some things. Um, interview mentioning mentioning his name wise, he didn't really like that. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the deal is there, but uh, kind of a different guy. Uh, didn't think he was like a problem, 
but it wouldn't have surprised me if there's some homesickness or something. I don't know. Uh, that's the bottom line. I'd hate to speculate on why. So I'm pretty sure with Powers, is he just does not do what he needs to do. It's been that way for a while. And, you know, if you continue to not uh, do what you got to do, no matter how talented you are, you know. And, uh, and like I said, Shane Beamer has not ruled either one of those guys out as far as coming back. Same thing with Jalen Brooks. But, uh, you know, for right now, they're not on the team. And, you know, the Gamecocks do have to get down numbers-wise. Thanks, Isaiah. Justin says, I help consulting mailbag. Thank you for calling it the I help consulting mailbag. He says, JC, I have a couple of questions. Why was Braden Davis ranking uh, falling from a mid-four-star to a three-star? Do you have any insight behind that decision? In my opinion, you look like a stud in the spring game. His upside is evident, and he was quite polished for a freshman. Um, well, but the folks up in 24-7, I don't think ever had him as a four, high three. His composite stayed at four because ESPN had him ranked like abnormally high, like 39th in the country. And heck, they may end up being right. But Braden did not play in the Under Armour game. And I think, unfortunately, when you talk about his ranking, that hurt him. And, and see, back to my point about NIL, if recruiting rankings are going to dominate it, uh, you're going to have guys that, uh, you know, skip enrolling early because they want to go play in all-star games and increase their NIL value or whatever, so stuff like that. Uh, but Braden had to go get some dental work done uh, in order to be ready to enroll at Carolina, so he politely declined the Under Armour game. Uh, and then when ESPN reset, a lot of guys moved up. They didn't have a chance to see him against the best of the best, so they moved him down, and that drug his composite score down. Uh, now, did I agree with it? No, I thought he was a four-star guy the whole time. Uh, you know, but you, you look at him, and, and you got to look at the upside. And then he's got some intangibles that I don't know that some of our modern evaluators pay attention to it uh, unless a kid is going to a big-time school or big-time – I'm not going to say big-time school because that makes it sound like South Carolina is not. A big-time brand, uh, those guys get a little more attention. Uh, and so that was that. So it was it was ESPN dropping him, but, I mean, they still had him higher than anybody else, but that drug the composite now if that made sense. And Justin says, Davis looked like a stud in the spring game, blah, blah, blah. Number two, which oft-injured in, oft veteran will have a more successful season, Chad Terrell or Tyreek Johnson? Does either have pro potential? I thought both look very good in the spring game. Uh, I would say Johnson, because I think they're going to need him uh, run-stopping-wise at the end, and he's pretty good uh, out there. And same with pro potential. You know, this defensive lineman will grow on trees. Uh, Chad Terrell will end up being a 225-pound tight end. You know, it's not that nobody's ever done that, but that's a little different. Plus, uh, you have to keep in mind, with, with Chad Terrell, you've got Austin Stogner and Jaheim Bell. Uh, both – well, if Jaheim's not – I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say Jaheim. Jaheim is something else. Uh, he is a – uh, wide back or whatever, but you got Austin Stoddard and Trey Kenyon are ahead of him. Um, and Trey Kenyon looked pretty good, uh, really good, I thought, in the spring game. Uh, really good player. So, you know, how much is Chad Terrell really going to play? 
You know, are you going to take Stogner off the field for him? Are you going to take Kenyon off the field for him? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I was happy that he caught that ball in the spring game. And I think if you can end up getting that type of matchup in an actual game and he's that fast, it's going to be a nightmare for a linebacker or anybody else to cover. So maybe he ends up having a big year. I hope so. Uh, But between the two, uh, if you ask about pro potential, successful seasons, uh, I'd have to go with Tyreek. And and both of these guys have had, you know, injury issues. So they got to stay healthy. But, you know, Tyreek, there's a reason a lot of schools – when he came out of high school in Sumter, I mean, Alabama was sniffing around on him. And he's, he's always had that potential. The last staff loved him. And he just kept getting hurt. Kept getting hurt. Thank you, Mr. White. And Bean, it's Charles Beans, sends me a nice, uh, you know, uh, email about NIL. It's a private email. I'll look at it. Uh, Joe does say you can use the picture. So use a picture of his daughter on social media. It's a cute picture. Every kid needs to take a picture with cocky. All right. Belmont Gamecock 99. JC, I'm super excited to see the injury around the program and the performances this past weekend. The vibe from the whole week was different than anything I've seen in 25 years, honestly. And 32 offered recruits in attendance while upward trending for sure. Do you know who is listed as attending and are any close to committing? Uh, some um, are close. A lot of those guys, though, Belmont, I mean, they are uh, – they've got a lot of offers and a lot of options. And it's not the Gamecocks. Whereas, you know, sort of before you'd look at it and go, ah, well, this other school that's – a slightly bigger brand is offered, so they'll probably go there. Uh, you just kind of sometimes you got to hope the guys get you know dropped or passed over. Uh, I think Carolina can get some of these guys. I think if they get half of these guys, then there needs to be some raises given out in the recruiting department, right? Uh, he says, as for the game itself, standouts to me were definitely the running back group. Lloyd and Christian Bill Smith are going to be outstanding one-two punch along with Bell. And the upgraded quarterback room. Honorable mention to DJ Twitty at fullback. Great pickup. Yeah, DJ Twitty from Spartanburg County, Chapman High School, home of Debo Samuel, and a guy named DJ Black that's walking on at receiver this year. It's going to be pretty good. Um, Chapman up there in Edmond. Toby Cates, former Gamecock, went up there. But Twitty, uh, last year at uh, East Tennessee State, didn't get very many carries, but shoot, he's – He's not the fastest guy, but uh, he rumbles on down the field. And uh, He and uh, Rashad Amos are kind of spending time at that H-back fullback spot. Uh, he says, Lloyd made that one stop and cut. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, he showed a lot of flashes. Uh, Juice, Van, Leggett, plus TK and Terrell all looked strong when the ball came their way. Stog and Bell will make them better. Not surprised to see Shaw and EJ in the portal after the Corey Rucker pickup. Yeah, keep in mind, Corey Rucker is really good, too. He's a proven receiver at the college level. Um, what do you make of Powers not being with the program at this time as well? Uh, yeah, like I said, just not doing what he needs to do. Um, was the carrying joiner injured is the next question. No. Oh, yes. Yes, a nagging injury. And so he, he was not. They held him out. 
Uh, but he's good to go for next year. Still curious as to how they use him. Unsurprisingly, the most impressive defensive players were along the line. Pickens, Boogie Huntley, both Jordans and Dawkins were applying loads of pressure in the backfield, creating havoc. Uh, the mobility of our quarterbacks should make a difference in the fall. I agree. Honestly, I didn't see anything terrible or extraordinary from the linebackers and DBs. The two picks were errant throws from young quarterbacks, but the coverage was consistent. Yeah, I'm I'm good with the secondary. I'm, I'm pretty much okay with the linebackers too. I, you know, Sherrod Green, while he was out there, looked really good. You know, and I think they need him. Quite frankly, uh, Mo Cava looks good. Brad Johnson looked good. There's your three. You know, you got Debo Williams still there too. So I like that. Uh, you know, ends. Uh, really, you know, Jordan Strong is going to be a totally terror. <laughs> I think rushing the passer. I'd like to see Birch be a little bit more quick to the ball, uh, collapse in the pocket, but he'll get there. He'll get there. I don't know if this is standard, but it's a high-integrity move to hear that Beamer was meeting with every player on the roster on Monday to discuss their prospects for 2022. Obviously, some players don't like the reality of what they heard, but honesty is always the best policy. The roster is shaking out with Shaw, Jenkins, Green, and Davis all hitting in the portal. All in total, where does that leave them with the 85 scholarships? Excited for fall camp, Belmont game kite not again. Uh, they, I think they still got five spots they need to trim, and that'll come, I think. Uh, it just kind of depends on who, what, when, where. Uh, and we'll go from there. I don't want to speculate because, yeah, honestly, I'll just be straight with you. I thought Chad Terrell was probably a guy that would not be back to be said at receiver, but he's found new life. I didn't know that Wyatt Campbell would be back, but he's found new life at tight end. So, you know, hey, these guys are sticking with it. It's good to see that. It's uh, like I said, I hate to see Jenkins and Shaw go. I hate that Jakeem Green. His film out of JUCO, uh, and I'm not going to say it was deceiving. I hate they didn't build on that. And, and you know, thinking about it, maybe, maybe the reason I overshot that a little bit was he was an end, a big 260 pound end. Uh, on the film I saw coming out of JUCO, I think they played kind of a three four. Maybe that's kind of more what he was, and and they got him big and moved him inside. And, you know, or maybe he got big and he just couldn't handle it. So I don't know, but I, I hope that Green and, and and Devontae Davis and Will Rogers, all three, you know, get somewhere where they can play. I, I think all those guys probably need to drop a level. Um, Jenkins, I think will go to Virginia Tech. Shaw probably end up at the Power Five. I would think somebody or a high group of five. Um, the surprising thing about Eric Shaw simply was this: it's his third year. I think people were expecting a 255-pound tight end or DN right now. He's still a 210. He can't gain the weight. And sometimes you're up against Mother Nature. You know, people want to know, you know, Mitch Hyatt at Clemson was, a what, a four-year starter and a five-star guy on a national championship team and did not get drafted it's because he just could not get big enough. He was fine in college, but he just couldn't get – some guys are like that. Some guys are like that. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Thanks for the email. Obviously. And uh, that's all the time we have on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast here Tuesday the 19th. Uh, got some media. Uh, if you guys are in Columbia, get on the 107.5 The Game website. 
interview with Will Gunner with me this morning. Uh, Going to be on the Cover 3 podcast on CBS, Talking Gamecocks. Uh, also, later today, and we record that later today. I don't know when it'll drop. Later today, 104.9 FM, a new sports station in the upstate. Uh, you guys know that uh, the, the one of the stations up there, and, and not the Clemson station, the other one in Greenville, uh, really has had some peculiar and weird and crazy things to say about the Gamecocks. Uh, so you probably shouldn't listen, you know, especially now that uh, you know a few years ago I was on that station. I wanted you to listen to, but now I, you know, I don't know why anybody would, you know, subject yourself to that kind of ignorance about the program you love. Well, there's a new station, 104.9, broadcasting out of downtown Greenville. It's going to be the flagship uh, of the Gamecock Sports Network. And while I always would like for you to listen to podcasts rather than live radio, uh, if you're in the upstate and you want some live sports talk radio that's fair uh, about Carolina, that understands Carolina, that has good guests about Carolina, that talks intelligently about Carolina and isn't sitting there saying they need to not say forever to thee and crap like that, uh, listen to these guys. And I'm on there today, 4 o'clock Eastern, talking about the Gamecocks, of course, uh, tomorrow morning, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, I don't know if you guys would listen to Tide 100.9, Wimp and Barry Sanderson show. And then the epic JB and Goldwater, uh, as always. And you can get that streaming, uh, obviously. All right, JC Sherbert, Inside the Gamecast Podcast, signing off. Everyone have a wonderful day.